Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. If Father Time relaxed and smoked a pipe, would the year be 390 days? Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast dedicated to all of us pipe smokers around the world. And sorry, but uh, no baby New Year's allowed. Yes, adult only pipe smoking broadcast. I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you for the last time in 2014. Wow, that is amazing to say. The last time in 2014. Uh, hey, tomorrow's New Year's Eve. Traditional pipe smoking, uh, hop, uh, traditional pipe smoking rituals of New Year's. Uh, back in the old days, everybody would grab a clay pipe, smoke it at midnight, and smash it in the fireplace. I don't think we'll be doing that with any of our finest briars or meerschaums, but we do have this show to listen to, so. Listen, in tonight's show, we're going to talk about a, uh, another old British pipe brand. We're going to talk about BBB Pipes. Then my guest is Tim Thorpe, pipe maker. And later on the show, uh, music, mailbag, and a redux of a rant. I want to kind of follow up on a rant. I think I've got some impact in it, but we'll find out. Uh, anyway, what did you get for Christmas? How did you do? How were your uh, Santa Clauses to your pipe racks and your tobacco sellers? Uh, me, nothing, nothing on, uh, nothing for my pipe rack or my tobacco seller because my wife knows better than to try to pick out something for me because I'm got to be the second hardest person possible to buy for. Uh, did get, however, uh, tickets to go see Harry Connick Jr. Yeah, for the first time ever. I'm going to be in the same room with him, and that'll be on uh, Tuesday, February 17th. So guess what? That February 17th show will be pre-recorded, which is a good thing, too, because if I go crazy, it may be the last show we ever have. <laughs> anyway, uh, we uh, went and saw the Nutcracker the Ballet, put on by the Charlotte, uh, the Charlotte Ballet and the Charlotte Symphony Orchestra. I'm not a not a big fan of the ballet. Let's just put it that way. Nutcracker's fun. I haven't seen it in about 20, 25 years. But we were sitting in the first row, so it was really cool to be able to sit there and look down into the orchestra pit. So when the ballet got a little boring, I'd look down into the orchestra pit and watch the orchestra play. A uh, couple, uh, couple of the guys in the ballet, most developed legs I've ever seen. I mean, that was just uh, incredible. Oh, and a little update, I did good on going off the Christmas list, so I'm okay until next year at least, maybe. All right, everybody, let's get the show going, so sit back, relax. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company, and here we go. Merry New Year! Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Achilles Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs, comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today. Cup of Joe's, a name you know, a name that you trust for all your tobacco needs. Exclusive pipes, pipe tobacco, accessories, pipe stands, and so much more. Cup of Joe's is the one place you can go and take care of every single one of your tobacco purchases. Fast shipping, friendly, professional service. One site, cupofjoes.com. And coming soon, their new line of smoking man pipes, cupofjoes.com. Quality products and extraordinary prices. All right. 
right, so for pipe parts, instead of talking about Disney pipes again this week, thought I'd go back to one of those uh, little-known British factories that are British pipe brands that's been around for a long time. Um, not real prevalent on the market right now, being made as new, but uh, BBB, which all this research is courtesy of Pipedia.org. If you want some reading, go to Pipedia, poke around. It's great stuff. And, uh, hey, help them out a little bit if you can. Uh, the initials of BBB, according to this article, once stood for Bloomfeld's Best Briars. And there was a young guy named Louis Bloomfeld who took over the uh, management of the company from Adolf Frankau. Now, if you've heard the Adolf Frankau name, that goes all the way back to the beginning of Cadogan Industries and Camoys and all those brands that came over from France. Uh, what I found interesting was here's another brand, another British brand that was started by somebody who came from mainland Europe, brought what was going on in Saint Claude or other parts of the other parts of the world in particular with Adolf Frank how he started out importing meerschaums and clay pipes from uh, from Turkey and from northern Europe into England. So again, we've got another transplant, uh, Henri Camoy, uh, Sheraton, and so on. Those are all guys that are all seeing what's going on in the rest of the world. They move to England and figure out that they can do it there. Um, Adolf Frankau died in uh, 1856, and the BBB name gradually, slowly became known as uh, Britain's Best Briars. And it's the oldest trademark in current use on pipes and the first ever to have a registered trademark. Uh, Britain's Best Briars was a registered trademark, and this goes back into the 1850s. If you think about 1850s compared to Alfred Dunhill, who started in 1906, 1907, that's a relatively new brand. Uh, Sheraton, relatively new compared to that. Sassini, relatively new compared to that. So uh, you've got a much, much older brand. Uh, BBB took off primarily as an export brand. And makes sense. You're sending it out around the world. It was sent out throughout all the British territories of the, at the time. It got success there, but not much success in Britain itself, right where it eventually was being made. Um, in particular, it took hold in Denmark. Uh, going forward, uh, we have to go back to, again, when Adolf Frankau started the company technically in 1847 as an importer, and then 1856, when he dies, his widow uh, prepares to sell the company, but an author by the name of Thomas Carlyle had become a fan of the product and convinced her to let Louis Bloomfeld run the business. Uh, BBB also went on to make some other sub-brands. So if you've got a Fairway London made or a Frankow or Major Duff, and then there's one called Snapfit that were sub-brands of the BBB line. Now, BBBs technically don't start getting manufactured in England until they open up a full-fledged factory in 1898 down on High Street where they're also producing the first of the British-made calabash pipes, yeah, the traditional gourd calabash. And this is a way for the history of the company to mix their Meerschaum skills with the pipe-making skills of a calabash. So a bunch of little innovations here coming out of it. Uh, eventually what ends up happening is in the 1920s, the Frank Allen Company are integrated into Oppenheimer, which is now known as Cadogan. So by the 1920s, it's being made alongside Camoys and Lowy and Dr. Plum and a whole bunch of the other things, and then it ends up being merged in with GBD. I'm going to jump forward here through my notes to find the actual rankings of it. Uh, at the beginning of 
manufacturing, BBB produced two qualities of pipes. There was BBB's own make and then simply BBB, the own make being the highest, and that eventually becomes the best make. Uh, the other thing that's interesting is about the same time, they BBB starts hitting on some new shapes and new styles of pipes. Uh, in particular, the, it's believed that BBB is the first one to come out with a Lovat shape, and it's called the Highland. It's from a series called the Highlands, named for Colonel Henry Francis Fraser, who was the Lord of Lovat, and he made a, those shapes were made for him. So that's where we get the Lovat shape from. A couple other things: uh, BBB won awards in the Franco. Britannica Expo, uh, Exposé of London in 1908 and the World's Fair of International of Brussels in 1910. So imagine today a pipe getting a design award, award at a World's Fair of any kind. Uh, pricing? Interesting. Around 1910, BBB's own make was about £2.10 shillings. In comparison to a Dunhill, that was about half the price if i have my uh, if i have my history correct a uh, couple other things as the time goes on into the 50s and 60s then you start getting some different stampings uh by the middle of the 1950s and into the 60s the top line was the own make rare grain then the virgin line and the own make virgin and then the own make walnut and the own make Thornycroft. But again, BBB, another one of those brands that uh, came around, did, innovated some stuff, and then has kind of uh, disappeared into the big conglomerate. All right, hope you enjoyed that. Keep your eye out for BBB pipes, and in just a minute, Tim Thorpe will be on the phone. This is Internet Radio. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Craftsmanship, history, tradition. These are the hallmarks of all quality products. From the finest wines bottled in France to the most highly engineered automobiles manufactured in Germany, Denmark has been the one country in the world where craftsmanship, history and tradition have for centuries created the finest pipe tobaccos in the world. Since 1887, the Halberg family have led the pipe tobacco industry through their ownership of Mac Barron Tobacco Company and they continue to create the most sought-after blends in the world today, just as they did over 100 years ago. In keeping with their long history of providing the world with the best tobacco on earth, Mac Barron is proud to announce their newest creation, Modern Virginia, as a loose-cut version and a flake version. Bright and dark, rich Virginia tobaccos have been combined with just a hint of burley for strength in this soft and smooth smoke with delicious fruit undertones. As the world leader in flake tobacco production, Mac Barron is sure that this blend will appeal to the true connoisseurs of traditional Virginia flake tobacco, as well as those who like their tobaccos on the sweeter side. Enjoy the culmination of centuries of experience by picking up a tin of Modern Virginia from Mac Barron Tobacco Company. Available at fine tobacconists everywhere. Please welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show a pipe maker, recently turned full-time pipe maker and uh, artisan in another way, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But please welcome Tim Thorpe to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Hi, Brian. Thank you for having me on the show today. All right, so let's get to know you a little bit. Where'd you grow up? Where are you from? All that stuff. And uh, no, we don't we don't need real details, but just the stuff you want publicized. <laughs> sure. Uh, I'm originally from New Jersey, uh, North Jersey, West Westfield to be uh, exact. Um, born and raised here 34 years, and uh, now I reside in uh, Cherry Hill, New Jersey, which is a little bit more south. And uh, I, that's probably where I'll be for uh, quite a long time. So, with this being the break between Christmas and New Year's, I'm in a bit of a relaxed mood, but wasn't Westfield that, wasn't that the mall that was in uh, Paul Blart Mall Cop? You know, that was actually Menlo Park Mall, which is, I would say it's about 20 minutes um, south of there. I believe in, 
Metuchen, New Jersey, or Islin, New Jersey, or one of those. Um, I don't know how I know that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but I do. But uh, now there's technically there's a mall in Westfield. Uh, the closest mall is Woodbridge, New Jersey, ah. which is another huge mall. Yeah. There we go. So. Okay, that's the one I've been to. Uh, anyway, yeah. I'm done mall hopping for the Christmas season, so. Uh, Not me. All right, so what what came first? You were you were a professional chef, and now you're a professional full time pipe maker. So what came first, the the love of cooking or pipe smoking? Uh, definitely the love of cooking. I uh, started at a really young age. Uh, I would say about fourteen. Um, after school, I worked at a catering place. Um, did the dishes, did prep work, um, learned from the chefs. You know, it was a, they had a German chef and an Irish chef, so it was quite interesting. Um, you know, I learned, you know, definitely some good methods the hard way, though, uh, back in 1994. Um, you know, the rules and regulations of, of children and, and workplaces was different. So, uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of yelling, a lot of that type of stuff, but I learned a lot. Um, then when I hit 18, I went to culinary school at um, the Academy of Culinary Arts in Atlantic City, New Jersey, and uh, was there three years. Um, worked in and out of different uh, different restaurants. Um, one famous restaurant in South Jersey called the Rams Head Inn. Um, I worked there for I did an internship there, and I did another internship at um, a hotel, a Surf City Hotel in uh, Long Beach Island, New Jersey, and just learn from, you know, just great chefs, you know, very cut and dry, you know, no baby, no, no nothing, just learning how to, all the way around culinary-wise, you know, handle food, prep food, um, cook, you know, uh, just old-school chefs, as I as I describe it, um, yeah, so that's where, you know, basically it started, then um, I opened up a restaurant in 2005 with my friend, uh, just for a season. Uh, we did like Hawaiian fusion food. See, we did that for one season. Uh, you can imagine how fun that was, uh, you know, all the heat and uh, just being very busy in Ocean City, New Jersey. Uh, um, you know, it's a short town for three months, and, you know, uh, but it was a great experience. Um, and after that, for seven years, I was a food service manager for basically for the state of New Jersey. Um, I worked at a shelter, residential shelter type of program, uh, and I did the, you know, the, the child nutrition uh, billing and handling the portions and stuff. And yeah, I did the, I was a food service manager, so obviously I handled food and ordering and, and things of that nature. Um, that's where I really kind of got into pipe pipe making or you know, being being getting interested in it because I worked six to two or sometimes five thirty to two. You know, I had the time afterwards and. Locally was a place called Green Tree Pipe and Tobacco Shop, and uh, you know, I would go in there, get get familiar with them, and you know try out different things, and that's where that got started. But I'm sure we'll go into that later. <laughs> yeah, when did you? But, um, when in that? When in all that did you start smoking a pipe? Um, I would say 2006. I started experimenting with typical, you know, corn cob and those little cherry wood ones. Um, that's when I basically started, you know, but. I really got into it, I would say, 2007 and eight. really started refining my palate and just smoking what I like, you know, and, you know, the, the world opened up there. So uh, 2006, I would definitely say that's uh, where it began. Do you think your, your palate as a chef applies to your palate in pipe tobacco? Um, yeah, I would say absolutely. You know, it, I mean, again, it's all taste preference. You know, that's what I tell people that, even ask me about pipe smoking or even cooking, you know, it's like, what do you like? I mean, you don't have to impress anybody. It's all about, you know, what you're, what you like. Um, food wise is, is can be challenging. Jump so again, there's so many different flavors and components you can add to, to food and, and things to really, and also bring out flavors, um, you know, just vinegar and salt, you know, and error, you know, any acidity will really bring out the flavor in certain foods. And of course, salt, so, but tobacco, you can't do that. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, again, it's a, a pref, you know, it's your preference. So with your, with your interest in cooking, have you also dabbled around with reblending tobaccos and trying different mixtures? Uh, yeah, I've done that over the years. Um, I kind of know what I like. I'm, I'm primarily a Virginia guy. Um, so I'll take like some, you know, some like 5100 and, maybe a little bit of Cavendish and maybe a little bit of Black Cavendish, you know, 
just a little bit, just to sweeten it up a little bit, um, just to have like a general smoking mixture. Um, but other than that, I really just stick to, uh, you know, I'm a typical Stonehaven. I don't know why I use the word typical, but anything like real nice and dark Virginia wise, that's like my my bread and butter. Um, that's what I, you know, I guess you could say collect, age, seller. Um, so that's, yeah, that's mainly what, uh, what I like, but yeah, I, I, I mess around with blending, but I, it's never good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was going to say anybody that likes Stonehaven is not typical. It's the 1% of the 1% of the 1%. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, exactly. What, what piqued your interest about making pipes or trying to make a pipe? Well, um, when I was a kid, you know, my father smoked, smoked a pipe. He had a couple of, he had a couple of K Woody's, a couple of Dr. Gerbo's, which are, you know, still to this day can't find. He passed away. So, um, but, uh, you know, I've always was intrigued by him. Just seeing him, you know, it's kind of like that manly guy thing, you know, it's like a pipe, you know, you know, he has his own chair and, you know, leave him alone. You know, it's something I wanted to kind of evolve into, but, you know, just having, having that, that, you know, my own, uh, it's my own chair, my own pipe. Um, but uh, so I was fascinated as a kid. And then in my teenage years, there was a downtown Westville, there was a little pipe shop. And I just remember going in and just the smell of all the cedar and the blends, you know, that typical brick and mortar smell. And I was just, I loved it. And, uh, you know, I would buy Zippos and stuff. You weren't allowed to buy any tobacco. But I'd buy like little lighters, mess around with that. And after that, it just kind of, disappeared until I was around, you know, 26, 25 and a half. Then uh, uh, going back to that, that local uh, Green Tree Pipe and Tobacco Shop, which still exists, um, they had a pipe kit, and I bought it, uh, you know, with, a, with something else. And I sat in my living room um, like a TV dinner stand and I, I, with a Dremel, and I just carved the whole thing out. <laughs> and did, yeah. it, did it work out, or did it turn into something that you weren't expecting? Well, you know, it did kind of work out, because... It was cut out, so, you know, you had that basic, you know, cylinder-looking thing. I mean, it wasn't shaped, but I kind of messed it, and it turned out okay. Um, that's where that, be, you know, then it evolved from there, like, um, you know, getting, uh, like, I, I really learned how to make pipes from, from Tim West. So, you know, I would call Tim, how, how do you do this? How do you do that? So after I got a few kits from him, you know, I would get a kit that was, just drilled out, but not the stem wasn't fitted. So then I would do that myself. So then I was okay. That's how you do that. Um, then overall drilling, actually, it took, took quite a few times. Actually, you know, I, I, I guess I got like partial kits from him. Like there, yeah, there was no. I'm sorry, there was no stem. It was just like drilled out. So then I would learn how to fit the stem, and it would you know go from there. Then you know learned how to drill, and then you know then it evolved from there. But I, I kept getting like. I call them like partial kits, you know, just to get, just so you can see and, and learn. He was it just couldn't have been any nicer about it. That's a great guy, typical old school pipe pie maker repairman. Um, so then it just evolved from there. I mean, uh, so he slowly uh, gave you more and more steps to do each time until you ended up with just a with starting with a block of wood and a rod of stem material. Exactly. I didn't start making hand-cut stems until 2000, um, I would say in the middle of 2007. That's when it really interests me. Um, another good friend of mine and amazing, I don't even know the word, uh, <laughs> um, Rad Davis. I mean, inspiration from him and the help he gave me and also buying his pipes. I was like, wow, you know, this is what a handmade stem looks like. So I started, you know, I was you know, very interested in his pipes in 2007 and, uh, you know, I bought a few and he also helped me as well, um, you know, start hand-cutting stems. But, but previously to that, it was just strictly, you know, pre-molded stems, you know, kits, learning how to shape, learning how to drill. But I really got, I guess, the, the passion just kicked in. And just, the, just I wouldn't say being eager, but just the drive to, I just wanted to do it. I wanted to do you know, and I wanted to keep, you know, just like anything else, getting better at practice, you know. So um, that's where that, that's where that uh, ended up. Was there a particular shape or a step in the process that was really hard for you to to figure out? Yeah, I would say drilling bent pipes um, in the beginning was very difficult. You know, and, you know, everything has to sit right at the bottom in the center. 
So you have that down, but it's like, why is, how come if I go in a three-quarter, you know, if I go in three-quarters of an angle, why is that so hard? But it is, you know, so that was a challenge to learn, and, you know, occasionally I still have a little bit of, occasionally I still miss drill something, you know, I'll drill right into the floor, of, you know, the you know, the pipe, and it's crap, but um, that, that that's definitely one of the hardest for drilling, drilling guys. We're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we're going to talk more pipes, and then uh, I'm going to ask Tim for some help with some uh, food planning for New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Meet Aaron, one of the most important people at SmokingPipes.com. In our shipping department, he's one of the cogs in the highly efficient wheel, if you will, that's responsible for making sure your order goes out right every time. Ain't that right, Aaron? I don't know all about that cog and the wheel stuff, but I do know at SmokingPipes.com, I take my work very seriously. Pulling tents of tobacco, weighing bulk tobacco, triple checking orders, and getting them out the door. Since it's so easy to order from SmokingPipes.com, you're keeping Aaron pretty darn busy. Look at him go, go, go. <laughs> in fact, it's been a challenge to get him to stop long enough to say hello. But Aaron doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why is that, Aaron? Because I don't just ship pipes. I smoke them. Gotta run. <laughs> just log on to SmokingPipes.com or call us at 1-888-366-0345. We are quality. We are experts. We are SmokingPipes.com. I'm not just a pipe smoker. I'm a Meerschaum pipe smoker. All of my pipes come from MeerschaumStore.com. They've been in business for 50 years, and I can trust that there will be no hassles. Orders are processed and shipped fast, and they have every shape you can imagine, including Calabash, Claws, Dragons, Horror, even a sexy series. MeerschaumStore.com, the most trusted Meerschaum store for 50 years. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with pipe maker Tim Thorpe. Uh, Tim, when you started out, was your your goal was to hit everything as a as a perfect smooth, and then develop shapes as you went along. Well, no, I think um, I wouldn't necessarily say smooth. Now uh, I'm kind of geared towards that. You know, learning how to really see the whole structure of the briar, and you know, and digging into it and seeing what you have. But um, I would say overall shaping, you know, you know, everybody can make a shape. Everybody has their own style, but certain things, you know, need to look right. And that's another thing that um, uh, Rad Davis and Bruce Weaver has always, you know, they've always helped me with, guided me. You know, this, you know, this doesn't look great. Do this, remove this, remove more wood, you know. Um, you know, and that's really helped me um, just evolve and what I think, what I feel like I'm making today. I mean, I've always tried to have my little niche, you know. But it doesn't always work shape-wise. I mean, somebody might love it. Some people, you know, somebody might be like, "Hmm, that looks a little off. Why?" You know, and then I, I, would, I would kind of explain. But um, I think overall shaping is something that definitely is the beginning. You know, um, learning how to make classics. Like I have my uh, Gatsby line, which is my second line, and they're all classics. So uh, it allows you to really hone in on on that, those type of character, you know, characteristics and shape profiles. Uh, make them and get somebody smoking them. What does the uh, what what do your pipes start out at price wise? And you've got two different lines, so tell us about both of them. Sure. Um, well, I would say my higher grade pipes uh, uh, go between I would say two fifty or three twenty five. I mean, you know, I like to get for my blast two seventy five, two eighty. Uh, you know, but sometimes two fifty, depending on the shape. You know, I think it's a nice price point at this point uh, in my pipe making career. You know. It's enough. It's you know, it's a, it's a good. I think it's a good price. You know, people know that there's value there. And it, yeah, basically, my, you know, my, I like to get two seventy five, three hundred for my sandblast, and I, they're definitely worth uh, every dollar. <laughs> um, and my Gatsby line is something I came up with over the summer. Um, for a couple of years, people have been asking me, "Why don't you do a second line?" And I was like, "Well, it's only me," you know. Yeah. And then you know, I kind of considered it. Yeah, I mean, what do you mean a second? You know. You know, you know. I mean, I know what that means, but it's like, you know, what what can I start making or come up with a name? And I'm not a big theme name guy. I'm, you know, it's like my name. I make the pipes. I'm, it's just me. Everything's made in house. Um, a lot of people ask me that as well. Um, you know, I don't do any outsourcing for uh, the Gatsby line. You know, um, Algerian and Italian briar, and uh, the stem material is a 
you know, rods of Italian acrylic, uh, you know, real vibrant colors. Um, anyway, back to uh, how that happened. Um, yeah, people uh, people were asking me for a while, what about a second line? I said, well, you know, let me see what I can work up. And then I finally just did it. I got some help from a good friend, uh, Jay, from Rockstar Pipes. Um, you know, we, you know, we, we, we were just discussing it, uh, me and him and then some other people. And um, I, I just kind of did it. I, you know, I came up with some shape profiles and, and I drew them out to sketch, took a few pictures, put them you know, up on Instagram and got a lot of positive feedback. And they're all, I mean, they're all turned bowls on, on Algerian. They're all acrylic. So that's a little easier to cut and deal with than dealing with ebonite. Well, a little bit. I would say that, um, I wouldn't say it's easier. I mean, for acrylic, you got to drill it. I, I mean, at least for me, I have to drill it a little bit slower because because it'll literally melt uh, the plastic, you know, while you're drilling out the tapered airway. So, but I think finishing, you know, there's a little bit less involved in ebonite. Um, like I'm, you know, my favorite material, you know, traditional is the black ebonite. So there's a lot more finishing work involved um, in, in black ebonite, as you know, as I'm sure you know. But um, but yeah, all the pipes are made, you know, made here. I mean, I. I grab a handful of blocks, you know, uh, cut them out and uh, drill them, shape them, finish them. You know, I mean, uh, so a lot of people do ask that too. And, you know, I don't like to specify that on my website, you know, because people should know that it is me. I am making them. But a lot of people do ask, you know, do you make them? Yes, you know, mm-hmm. um, I'm proud to be able to do that and uh, offer, you know, the straights for 100 and the bents are about 120, 125. The website is Tim Thorpe. And it's spelled just like the famous athlete, so T H O R P E pipes dot com. Yep. Although yep. you're not related to him. Uh, no. <laughs> in your in uh, in the handmade line, I notice you're goofing around with Morta and a couple other woods, a couple other different materials too. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I, I would say my well, I, I, I do I do strawberry wood and olive wood. Um, and my favorite is, I mean, my newer favorite wood is, I mean, strawberry wood is just amazing. I mean, you know, when you get a certain piece and, and when you start blasting, I mean, this, it just opens up into this, like, just gnarly, craggy, unbelievable. It's, it's like two-dimensional. It's just amazing looking. Um, you know, there's a lot you can do with that. It's very soft. So I find that you have to be careful that how you, how aggressive you do blast it because then the shape can just, you know, be like, you'll have divots and stuff. But, um. Olive wood, uh, I've made two with, and people like them. Um, yeah, they say the smoking qualities are a little bit different. You know, almost like a, I guess you would say an olive <laughs> Almost like a, like a nutty, I don't know how to, how to describe it, but uh, a little bit, yeah, a little bit different. And Morta, yeah, I've made about four. And um, Morta seems to just be so popular with people. They just they just want to know, like, oh, can you do a Morta, Morta you know, Morta this? And I was like, yeah, sure. I mean, I think... You know, briar is still just number one superior. I mean, a nice piece of Italian briar, I'm like in heaven. Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've talked about how Morta, I've I've owned a Morta pipe and how it changed every tobacco that I ever smoked. So I figured it was probably better to get rid of the Morta pipe than it was to change all my tobaccos just for the Morta. Absolutely, um, it's a very different wood. Um, it's unpredictable. I mean, you know, people tell you, people, you know, the thing, pieces will break off and, and, and shatter. I've only had that happen once, but just in general, I mean, first of all, it's black. So, you know, it's totally, you know, when you're making it visually, it's drilling out. It's like, it's, you know, it's shut black. So a little bit different. Um, and taste characteristics are definitely different. Um, some people like them, some people don't. I think they're they're, they're okay, but you know, I try to push the... Uh, the Italian briar, like I said, is my uh, that's my number one. I mean, I think it's just unbelievable. Um, you know, the way it looks, the, everything about it, density, uh, the color, uh, and the smoking characteristics are just uh, great. And you've done some uh, you've done some fairly artistic designs and shapes that are that are unique to you. Where do you get the idea or the inspiration for? Some uh, for some of the really special shapes. Well, um, yeah, I, I did rec- not recently, but about a year ago. Um, somebody, you know, asked me, "Can you just come? You know, can you just make like a wild, just completely off the wall pipe?" And it's on my website now. It's under my artistic pipes. Um, I, 
I said, okay, you know, and I came up with something, you know, and had like a reverse calabash, you know, it took, there's all kinds of things happening. Um, and they loved it. And then it evolved from there. And then over the past few, few months, um, not this October last, uh, is when I made that, I forget the name, it's up on the website. Um, uh, but you know, a nice description. Um, I recently been doing a, a newer finish, what I describe as wormwood or wormhole blasted texture. Um, I guess I need to come up with an exact uh, name, but that's how I describe it. Um, it's, you know, it's really utilizing a, a nice piece of briar that might, you know, people think, oh, there's a flaws in it. No, it doesn't. It's just you're working around the grain and you're adding a texture in there with just like depth and character. And then you're still sandblasting the, you know, the exterior of the other parts, which just adds like this whole different dimension and, and you know and i wanted to come up with something different because you know for years it's like rusticated sandblast smooth <laughs> you know with, yeah you know and i don't i mean each pipe i do i still you know i still just have that the passion for it but you know it does you want to look at the market like people want different things um so i kind of came up with that and uh it's been pretty pretty popular and you know a lot of a lot of questions and you know about it but uh you know, I have a few up on the website. I post them on Instagram, and um, I just think it's a, a new finish that um, it, it came out of my head. So back to where were these inspirational shapes? Um, I'll just be sitting there, and I'll just think that everything comes comes out of my head. You know, and when I want to challenge myself, I'll do a certain shape. But the stuff that I make comes out of it; just comes from me. I mean, it really does. It's like a pipe dream. <laughs> Sometimes I have them. Sometimes I really have them at night. I just have this visual of, of, of just something I wouldn't say I made it but just different and it's like I got to do that and I just do it yeah you know, again it's that passion that drive it's you know labor love and you know try to do things a little different you know and I you know and just hope it takes off um so yeah that's that's I'm looking at one of the uh, wormwoods, if you want to call them that for now on on your website and it almost looks like it was something from either like Battlestar Galactica that got blasted with uh, with stun guns or blasted with phasers and has a little bit of acid burn to it. It's really cool. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I've heard a lot of a lot of different comments. Um you know, some people say they don't they don't care for it. One of my consistent customers, um, who's an older gentleman who has, you know, an ungodly amount of pipes and you know, I make him pipes and, and he saw it. Uh, the recent one I did in poker. He was like, I got to have it. Just send it to me. Um, you know, I finished it. I was going to put it up. So, you know, again, you know, it's different generations or, you know, giving different input. But, um, you know, so I was happy. I was like, oh, thanks. You know, here, here you go. Right in the mail. But, you know, it makes people think, what, what is that, you know? Look at it this way. I don't like tomatoes. There's nothing wrong with tomatoes. There's nothing wrong with me. I just don't like tomatoes. You mean the shape or the actual? Oh, the actual fruit. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Hey. You ever had a Jersey tomato? <laughs> uh, no. And uh, will it give you the finger as you try to eat it? Yes. Yeah, I had to slip a Jersey joke in there somewhere. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. All right. Two food-related questions real quick. Uh, one, sure. when you got married, did you cater your own wedding, or was the caterer really nervous because you know what you're doing with food? Oh, no. <laughs> well, we kind of made a variety of food. Um, I did have it at my house. I had it in my backyard. I have a pretty nice size backyard uh so we decided to have it here and um i had my father-in-law um help and my wife and my wife's friends and uh, her sister did a phenomenal job uh my brother-in-law too helped um we kind of just i mean i made vegetable lasagna which she my wife wanted it um you know no pasta so i kind of made i made that and we had like vodka rigatoni just kind of traditional typical foods um a lot of people brought a lot of food and i think people know me by now that it's not a big it's not a big deal and i hope i would never come across as being some uh, snooty chef or anything but um <laughs> i was just happy to have somebody else cook to be honest with you <laughs> <laughs> so yeah but uh yeah we had a lot of vegetarian food um that's what i was told now that i think about it but uh no i was um, i'm always happy to have somebody else cook believe yeah. it that and whatever your wife tells you about your wedding she's absolutely right I just kept saying yes, yes. Yeah, I do. I yeah. will. Yes. Uh, next question. New Year's Eve sure. is a couple days away. New Year's Day is a couple days away. 
Any suggestions for uh, something that we can make for a New Year's Eve gathering that's simple, easy to eat while holding a drink at the same time, and then for watching football all day, the next day? Yeah. Um, wow. Well, there's endless possibilities. Um, New Year's, the last two New Year's, I fired up my smoker and did a Boston butt, which is, you know, also uh, a pork butt or a pork shoulder or a picnic, they call it. Um, that's kind of, I wouldn't say it's simple, but... Once you season it up, you get it in the smoker. It's like one item that feeds a lot of people, and you know you smoke it, and then you finish it in the oven and cover it up, so it becomes tender. And then there's a lot of different sides you can make with that. A couple different slaws. Um, I made a root beer barbecue sauce for, for some, you know, for the kit. It's a little on the sweet side, of course, but um, mm. I made something like that, and I made it like a spicy barbecue sauce and some different slaws, like a, a fennel apple slaw, then a traditional coleslaw with a uh, celery seed and a little bit of vinegar sugar um that's great for new year's and it's different because you know you think summer so i've done that the last two years you know using my smoker but hors d'oeuvre wise i mean that might be you know there's something i I would suggest a um a bruschetta maybe or bruschetta as it may may be pronounced in different areas um (laughs) down here in the south (laughs) yeah i don't know how to (laughs) um but yeah, like like what I would do is make a classic bruschetta, tomato, basil, red onion, uh, pinch of uh, balsamic vinegar, olive oil, salt, pepper, roasted you know, garlic, and put some capers in it to add a nice grindiness to it. Um, you know, it kind of brings everything together and adds that different different character to the bruschetta. And serve it warm and take some French baguettes, cut them down, you know, brush them with olive oil. Maybe a little Italian seasoning, bake them in the oven, and just put little dollops of that on there, and that's a phenomenal New Year's Eve finger food to have, uh, you know, you can eat them one hand and have a martini in the other, whatever you drink, and, you know, that's uh, that's one. And I would say um, one that never gets old, um, well, there's so many different ways, is stuffed mushrooms. Again, that's like a little, you know, one-handers, as I, I call them, and, you know, I mean, there's so many you can do. I mean, I like to take them and Take the stems out, um, clean them up a little bit, and make like a, you know, like a, like a crab and cheese type of type of dip. You know, like a little bit of breadcrumb. Um, let me see, like a Gruyere cheese or Fontina uh, breadcrumbs, and, and just make like a nice mix, fresh parsley, or, you know, maybe thyme, whatever. You know, I mean, again, there's so many I can come up with. Uh, a little bit of wine, and then mix that up, white wine, and stuff them in the mushrooms and roast them off. That's another fantastic one. Um, you are the absolute wrong person to have on the show before eating. Uh, <laughs> what about for football watching the next day? Football, I think the ultimate football food is sausage, peppers, and onions. And you can do it in one pot. And if you cook it long enough, it just gets tender and, and perfect. You, you literally just take sausage, peppers, onions, garlic, tomato product. If you want to make your own or get a nice jar of sauce, let it cook for two hours. And the sausage just becomes tender and, and fantastic and you serve them anything you want you know rolls or even spaghetti depending but normally um i do that for football i guess i had a lot of memories you know having it over the years and you know my different friends we used to do like a different football uh thing you know each at everybody's different house um and also uh if you have a grill uh burgers on the grill i mean grill off a decent burger I and mean, there's you know it's the, 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 the toppings are endless, and that's where you can really just, you, know, you can create your own burger and call it like a Reuben burger and do a you know, Russian dressing, sauerkraut, Swiss cheese, it's a Reuben, or, you know, or even take the bruschetta from New Year's Eve and make the <laughs> bruschetta burger, you know? So, right. I'm, yeah, thinking of, and, I'm thinking of putting some of the pork butt on there. Yeah, I mean, oh. everybody loves it, you know? I mean, and it's inexpensive, and, you know, you get a nice uh, American dry rub, uh, paprika, brown sugar, celery salt, garlic, um, pep, um, what else? I use a tornado sugar or sugar in the raw, uh, mix it up, encrust it on there, and smoke it, you know, smoke it for a few hours, finish in the oven, and let people tear into it. All right, uh, now I'm starving, so we'll wrap this up with the sorry. fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, but boy, am I hungry. Oh. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what is your favorite pipe? What is my favorite pipe? You mean shape-wise or? What is your favorite or, pipe? 
Okay. Hmm. <laughs> wow. Um. Well, to sum it up, I would say uh, I made myself a uh, what I refer to as a floating egg. Uh, that's probably my favorite pipe. I mean, I have beat the heck, heck out of it, smoked it, let it sit, and it just still to this day. I mean, it's only a year old, but it just it's resilient and it's just perfect. Um, and also tested it, you know, to see how well it can hold up. But uh, my floating egg shape is definitely my favorite um it uh it has a nice cheek curve it comes around and the string kind of flows up a little bit uh you know has like a recessed stem you know mount, mount whatever you want to call it so that would be my favorite pipe what's your favorite tobacco what is my hmm oh, that's tough um i would say peter heinrich's dark strong flake i think is absolutely delicious and what's your favorite drink drink um, well, bourbon. I, I would say I'm a, I don't drink it too often, but I do love, like, small batch bourbons. That's definitely, and, you know, some peaty uh, single malt scotches. So anything in that category, um, definitely, uh, definitely is tasty. Bourbon, be and, careful. <laughs> bourbon and pork butt. Now, yeah, okay. Yeah, well, yeah, you could do that, too. Ooh. Uh, when it's time to relax, is it a book, a movie, or music? Um, well, you know what, it's kind of hard to explain. Um, when I'm not in the, doing household stuff or pipe making, I, I work out and that's my form of relaxation, just getting any tension or stress out. I'm not thinking you're just exercising. Um, that's my main relaxation, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> but other than that, if you, yeah, now if you would say, uh, my relaxation time, uh, besides, Exercise is uh, I just look up, I go online and look at pipes for hours and hours and hours and read different literature on there and um, yeah, just different carvers' websites, smoking pipes, um, rockstar pipes, just to see what they're what they have. You know, I mean, you know, the possibilities are, are endless. Uh, you know, so uh, that's my pastime: uh, exercise and looking at pipes online. <laughs> and I do that for hours. Last question: Any favorite yes. pipe smoking memory yeah well let me think here for a minute um yeah that's absolutely um uh two years ago i was at the chicago show and you know first time there believe it or not um so you know i mean you know such an amazing time and people everywhere and i was just like my head was spinning um and I was in a tent uh, with a couple friends and, you know, looking at the pipes, sitting there smoking. And the guy came up to me and he had one of my pipes from like 07. It wasn't the nicest looking pipe, but he was just like, I love this. You know, I smoke it. I, I, you know, I can't believe I'm meeting you. I felt like it was like somebody special, you know. And, and um, he was like, you know, he did a great job. It was uh, it's one, it's my, one of my favorite pipes. And, uh, you know, just to see, see a guy bring it. You know, I'm in Chicago. I'm from New Jersey. He was from, I think he... Uh, He's from Ohio, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, you know, just to talk with him, meet with him, and, and just talk about the pipe. I mean, sitting there, it's amazing. It's something like seeing somebody smoke your, your pipe, you know, especially when you're at a show, you know, they come up. It's just a great feeling. You know, that made that person happy you made it, and they bought it, and they're smoking it. Um, it's, always nice to, it's always nice to know that an artist's work is appreciated. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and just, you know, I always ask for people's honest opinions and, you know, I built a pretty good rapport with different customers and, you know, um, I've never really had an issue. Um, so it's just good to hear positive things. And that's definitely my, my number one memory is that guy. Check out Tim's website again. It's timthorpepipes.com. Tim, thank you very much and happy new year. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. You too as well. Thank you. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. There's nothing quite like a good book. Or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. I'm Mark from Ohio, and I've tried so many tobaccos, but I just still can't find something that is just magical. A tobacco that I can fall in love with. 
I mean, I've tried reading reviews online and participating in forum discussions only to get burned. When I was about to give up, I discovered this amazing matching system for finding my perfect blend at SutliftTobacco.com. That's how I found my perfect blend, and I just love it. Finding the right tobacco doesn't have to be hard. There are lots of tobaccos waiting for you to fall in love with them. Finding that special tobacco shouldn't be left up to chance. Experience the magic of compatibility with our patented perfect match system. Try it at SutliftTobacco.com. Go to SutliftTobacco.com right now and find your perfect blend. We are back, and I'm going to rush through the rest of the show because now I'm really hungry and uh, looking forward to uh, <laughs> tomorrow night and watching football all day after, well, after watching the Rose Parade, then watching football all day on uh, New Year's Day. Uh, you know what, <laughs> Kevin, I was just thinking it's a good thing we uh, moved the shows to Tuesdays because otherwise we would have had to have done a show on Christmas Day and New Year's Day. So Tuesdays worked out good for us. All right, for music, I uh, got the suggestion of Ernest Block a couple of weeks ago and went digging around through a bunch of his stuff, and there's a bunch out there to listen to. Uh, Block was a dedicated lifetime pipe smoker and a classical composer. This is one movement called Waves from his Poems of the Sea, and it's performed by the London Philharmonic, so there's uh, no better group to play your music, but here it is.
there are two other verses to the poem, so if you want to hear those, uh, look them up. They're free to find on the internet. I found mine on Spotify. Uh, the Poems of the Seas reminds me that we are getting into the final details of the pipe smoking cruise with me in uh, September 2015. Right now, though, I've only got, I believe, 18, 20 people that are said they're interested. We need to get up to that magic 16 cabins or 32 people. If you are interested in receiving the details in January, February, once we nail down the exact cruise, it'll be September 5th or the 13th, I believe. Uh, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, and we'll have more when the uh, details come out later, uh, later in the, or earlier in the new year. Let me try to get that out. A uh, couple of other things coming up in the new year. Uh, February 28th, St. Louis Pipe Show, uh, St. Charles, Missouri, and it is rumored that this will be their final one because they have lost the venue and they are not interested in doing a non-smoking show. And then the following Saturday, May 7th, I believe, the New York Pipe Show in Newark, New Jersey. More information on those can be found on uh, pipesmagazine.com or on the internet. What's this? A letter. Let's do a quick little mailbag before I get into the uh, Starbucks rant redux, shall we call it. Uh, First of all, on Facebook, John writes, Brian, keep it up with the Pipes Magazine radio show. You do a great job of keeping the show interesting. Take care, listener John. John, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, On PipesMagazine.com, John Seiler writes, Ho, 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 Merry Christmas. You are quite knowledgeable about your Disney collection. I thought we weren't going to talk about that anymore. But anyway, uh, keep pursuing your unique collection in the future. Who knows, maybe I'll find something for you. John, you already have, but uh, keep looking. Uh, Now, my wife has collected miniature Christmas trees for over 40 years and has about 300 or so. But Neil's collection of Santas is just phenomenal. My sole Santa is an SMS Meerschaum pipe that I smoked during the Christmas season. And yes, he is smoking a pipe. Santa smoking a pipe? Smoking a pipe. Anyway, uh, Santa is just not Santa unless he has a pipe in his mouth. Neil is another collector that is very knowledgeable of the pipes he collects. Bill Kotek and I will have to meet Neil at a show as we are both Sherlock Holmes nuts and have extensive collections. Uh, I like the music poetry selection. Twas the night after Christmas. Here, here, this poem needs to become a standard. See what you can do about it. The Christmas Truce of 1914 was an excellent way to end the program. It is a shame that the Great War did not end that night. Keep up the good shows. Merry Christmas to you, Kevin, and all pipe smokers. Uh, Casey Ghostwrites, another really good show. I greatly enjoyed the continued discussion on Disney and your Disney collection. Neil Strong was a delightful guest. I have no idea why anyone would fancy massive pipes, but a number of people do. Must be some kind of compensation mechanism. Leave it up to Casey Ghost to find the sarcasm in there. I love it. Uh, his Santa collection was just a hoot. Love the pictures of them. Kudos to him for keeping at it. I enjoyed the Christmas Truce segment. The local opera company, of which I'm a season ticket subscriber, with uh, uh, will do the Silent Night in February 2015, which is based on this historical event. It promises to be a real tearjerker. Merry Christmas to all at PipesMagazine.com. Thank you, Dan. And finally, Riff Raff says, I'm always fascinated by people's collections. Yours has a personal connection that makes it even more valuable to you. I'm always tempted to buy Disney pipes, but I'm afraid I might prevent you from getting one that you have your eye on. Neil's collection is awesome. I agree with my esteemed colleagues that Santa just isn't Santa without a pipe. Uh, the Christmas Truce during World War One was a great show of humanity amidst chaos, a true show of existentialism. I hope your Christmas Hanukkah was great. You provide a valuable service to a great community. Thank you for all you do. You all are very welcome for all I do, and I enjoy what I do. And finally, got an email from Paul. And Paul writes, sorry that I'm answering your question late. Life got busy and I haven't had a chance to catch up on some missed shows until recently. But I may have a tip to help you avoid being an alcohol lightweight that isn't the usual recommendations to hydrate before eating. And then he sends links to Esquire magazine. 
And he said that he tried he tried this before attending a microbrew festival, and I think it may work at least somewhat, my opinion only. And then there's a couple other things. Uh, the links, I'm going to test those out tomorrow night and Saturday and on New Year's Day and report back to you. Um, he goes on to say the only problem with the method is that yeast tastes terrible. So apparently one of them's got, yeah, the, the Snopes.com one has yeast in it. I plan to try swallowing brewer's yeast tablets whole next time to prevent drunkenness instead of dry yeast powder mixed with yogurt. Uh, if you swallow whole yeast and you get warm, do you bake a little biscuit or something? Uh, anyway, um, there's some suggestions in there, and I will report back in them. And then he signs it off with best wishes. Love your excellent radio show, Paul. Thank you, Paul. We'll uh, check in on that. And finally, I had nothing to do with this, but if you go to pipesmagazine.com and look at the articles down the right-hand side of the webpage, there is an article written by E. Roberts in the year 2015, predictions from a piper for the new year. I can tell you I had nothing to do with this because I am nowhere near this creative or this uh, can't write this well, uh, but read through it. Let me know what your comments are. Apparently, Kevin Godby's married twice in it, and uh, and I'm running for president in 2016. President of what? I don't know, but uh, hell, I'll run for dictator-in-chief if that'll work. All right, that's enough rambling for now. In just a few minutes, rant time. Merry New Year! The Carolinas and the tobacco tradition have been woven together generation after generation. From the Blue Ridge Mountains to the coastal low country, it's an integral part of our culture and heritage, building our beautiful tapestry. Cornell and Deal is proud to blend our pipe tobaccos in the Carolinas. Our history with tobacco dates back to the mid-1800s, and in that time we've perfected a variety of blends. The Carolinas have given us the perfect backdrop to do just that. Whether you're a fan of the rich Virginias, bold Latakias, spicy Periques, or unique aromatics, we've got a tobacco that's just right for your discerning taste buds. At Cornell and Deal, we live all things pipe tobacco, blending it, smoking it, and enjoying the company of those who share our excitement. Tobacco, it's what we do. Stop by CornellAndDeal.com. Do you need a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favorite blends outside of the U.S.? Fournoggins.com stocks all of your favorite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the U.S. and international with no worries. Fournoggins.com for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. Cowboy. Cowboy. In the past, I've been accused of uh, causing prices to increase on certain pipes. I've been accused of trying to take over Kevin Godby's brain, which is easy. And I've been accused of now plotting to run for president. Well, I'd like to think that I might have had something to do with uh, Starbucks not having the best Christmas ever. And this is my observation. I was in the mall the day before Christmas, yeah, walking around looking for last-minute gifts, and one of the Starbucks little kiosk stands still had for sale their high-dollar, it's $200 sterling silver gift card, and they still had Christmas coffee. Now, in the years past, in the years past, Starbucks would put out this special limited edition uh, gift card kind of idea, or two limited edition gifts for the year, and they would sell out, I mean, almost instantly, there'd be lines at the door looking for them. And, in the past, I would think of, hey, you know what, I like the Starbucks Christmas blend, so I'd swing by a Starbucks a day or two before Christmas and try to get that for Christmas Day, and they'd be sold out. 
Well, maybe, maybe, just maybe because of what I've done, <laughs> maybe Starbucks is seeing a decrease in their sales and maybe they've pissed off other people, quite honestly, because of all the stupid stuff they've been doing recently. Well, here's what I found. The day after Christmas, they had put all the Christmas blend leftover bags of coffee on sale. Buy one, get one free. Yeah, buy one, get one free. And the store that I stopped in still had two, count them, two of the, 50, of the $50, $200 sterling silver gift cards left for sale. Yes, the day after Christmas, they still had them. Now, I haven't been back to Starbucks yet. But I did buy two pounds of coffee the day after Christmas, and I may swing by one tomorrow to, uh, hey, see if they've got any more Christmas coffee. But, hey, Starbucks, if you're listening, feel my power. Listen to my words. <laughs> In the meantime, I'll be enjoying Christmas coffee for, oh, I don't know, a month or so. Anyway, there is the show. Hey, please leave us a rating or review on iTunes. We appreciate that. Post all your comments on PipesMagazine.com. I look forward to those. Follow me on Facebook. Uh, if you get a chance, give a like on Facebook to the Disney Tobacchiana Collection and the Pipes Magazine Radio Show's Facebook page. It's a great way to get uh, a little extra information and find out what's happening sooner. So, appreciate everybody for tuning in. Wishing you all a very happy and very prosperous and very smoky 2015. And thank you to all of our sponsors for another wonderful year of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Without you guys, this wouldn't be possible. And a special thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company. So... With all that being said, for me and Kevin Godby, until next year. Cares about the clouds when we're together. Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy Merry New Year! Happy New Year. In this country, we say Happy New Year. Ha! Huh?